بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the delegations from different tribes that came to Medina during the ninth year of the Hijrah and some of them also in the tenth year of the Hijrah where multitudes of people from around the Arabian Peninsula started to enter Islam. They started to accept Islam. So by the tenth year of the Hijrah, Alhamdulillah, most of the Arabian Peninsula had accepted Islam. Alhamdulillah. But many of these people, they were from different tribes all over the place. Many of them hadn't had the opportunity to actually see the Prophet ﷺ in person. So they had accepted Islam, but they didn't have the opportunity to actually see the Prophet ﷺ. So in the 10th year of the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ announced that he would be making Hajj this year. The 10th year of the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ announced that he would be making Hajj. First of all, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Hajj an obligation. And one of the other benefits, one of the additional benefits of that was that the Prophet ﷺ would make Hajj and all of the Muslims who were able to from all over the place, they could come to Mecca as well and they could actually see the Prophet ﷺ and listen to him and benefit from his words. So this was an opportunity that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to give to all of the Muslims around the Arabian Peninsula. So he made this announcement in the 10th year of the Hijrah that he would be doing Hajj this year. So the masses of Muslims from all over the peninsula, they set out to accompany the Prophet ﷺ and perform Hajj with him. So Muslims from all over the Arabian Peninsula, they headed towards Mecca in order to gain this honor of performing Hajj with the Prophet ﷺ and actually seeing the Prophet ﷺ with their own eyes. So this is an honor that they didn't want to let pass them by. So they set out for Mecca. Now the Prophet ﷺ for Hajj, he left Medina in the month of Dhul Qa'da. So Hajj is in Dhul Hijjah, but the Prophet ﷺ, he, he left in the month of Dhul Qa'da, which is the month before Dhul Hijjah. And he headed towards Mecca. So he reached Mecca and he stayed in Mecca for a few days before Hajj started. And then Hajj starts on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah. So the Prophet ﷺ he went to Mina on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah along with his companions, along with these Muslims who had come from different corners of the Arabian Peninsula to perform Hajj with the Prophet ﷺ. And it has been mentioned that there were over 100,000 Muslims who accompanied the Prophet ﷺ on this Hajj. Alhamdulillah. Over 100,000. So on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah, the Prophet ﷺ started his Hajj. He went to Mina. And then on the next day, the ninth of the Hijjah, the Prophet ﷺ set off for Arafah. And as the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Hajju Arafah. Hajj is Arafah. So the ninth day of the Hijjah, the day of Arafah, the Prophet ﷺ headed towards Arafah. And he set up his tent at An-Namirah. An-Namirah is the area where the Masjid An-Namirah currently stands. And it is actually outside of the border of Arafah. It is actually not in the land of Arafah, but it's right outside the border of Arafah. So the Prophet ﷺ, first he set up his tent over there. 
Then he went to Wadi Urana, the valley of Urana, and he gave his famous khutbah that is known as the Khutbatul Wada'. And then after he gave this khutbah, then he went into Arafah. He actually went into Arafah and he spent the rest of the day making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he went to the valley of Urana, which is right outside of Arafah, to give the khutbah, which is known as Khutbatul Wada'. It was an opportunity for the Prophet ﷺ to reach all of these Muslims who had come to gather. This is an opportunity that the Prophet ﷺ had not had before. This was the first time that so many Muslims had gathered in one place at one time. So of course the Prophet ﷺ wanted to utilize this opportunity to convey the message to these people to convey beneficial speech to these masses of Muslims who had gathered. So the Prophet ﷺ gave an amazing khutbah which is known as the farewell khutbah or khutbatul wada' and it is a khutbah that is constantly referenced and mentioned and it is a khutbah that is full of wisdom and beneficial points that we can continue to benefit from to this day. So in that khutbah the Prophet وسلم, after praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he addressed the people who had gathered. He said, O oh people, listen to my words. O oh people, listen to my words. I do not know whether I shall ever meet you again in this place after this year. Listen carefully because this may be the last time that I will be able to address a gathering in this place. So listen carefully to what I have to say. So then the Prophet ﷺ told the people, Surely your blood and your property and your honor, they are sacred. As the sacredness of this day of yours. What was the day? It was the day of Arafah, which is a sacred day in Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ told them, Your blood, your property, your honor, it is sacred just like this day, the day of Arafah is sacred. Just like this month of yours is sacred, the month of Dhul Hijjah. It is from Al-Ashhurul Hurum. Just like this city of yours is sacred, Mecca. It is a sacred city. So just like Mecca is sacred and Dhul Hijjah is sacred and the day of Arafah is sacred in the same way your blood is sacred. Do not spill the blood of each other. Your property is sacred. Do not steal from one another. Your honor is sacred. Do not slander one another. So the Prophet ﷺ is, is showing the Muslims, he's teaching the Muslims the importance of protecting the honor and the blood and the property of your fellow brothers and sisters. The Prophet ﷺ continued and he said, Behold, everything pertaining to the days of Jahiliyyah, all of the matters of the days of Jahiliyyah, they are under my feet. They are under my feet. So the Prophet ﷺ is abolishing the matters of Jahiliyyah. He is abolishing the practices of Jahiliyyah. Abolished are also the blood revenge of the days of ignorance. In the days of ignorance, there was always these fights going on between different tribes. Oh, you killed someone from my tribe, so now I'm going to kill someone from your tribe. And this revenge would go on and on and on for generation after generation after generation. So the Prophet ﷺ said, these blood revenges, they are abolished. The blood revenge of the days of Jahiliyyah, it is abolished. And the first claim on blood revenge which I abolish 
is that of Amir ibn Rabi'ah ibn al-Harith ibn Abdul Muttalib. This is someone from the family of the Prophet himself. So he's starting with his own family, from people of his own family. The first blood revenge which I abolish is that of Amir ibn Rabi'ah ibn al-Harith ibn Abdul Muttalib who was nursed among the tribe of Sa'd and killed by the tribe of Hudayl. So there is no blood revenge for this. The Prophet ﷺ abolished it. And the usury or the interest, the riba of the days of Jahiliyyah, this is also abolished. And the first of the usury that I abolish is the, uh, is the usury of Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib. It is abolished. So the Prophet ﷺ, again, he's starting with his own family members. So it shows the justice and the fairness of the Prophet ﷺ. Then the Prophet ﷺ continued in his admonition and his advice to the people. He said to the people, Fear Allah concerning the women. Fear Allah concerning women. Verily you have taken them by the security of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with them your relationship has been made halal by the words of Allah. The marital relation that you have with your wife it has been made halal by the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is something that you should respect. So treat the women well. The Prophet ﷺ continued and he said, You have a right over the women. You have a right over the women. That they should not allow anyone to enter your homes that you do not like. If you don't like a person, then your wife is not allowed to let that person enter into your home. And this is your right as a husband. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, if they do that, if they disobey you regarding this, then you can chastise them. You can chastise them. But they also have rights upon the men. The women also have rights upon the men. Their rights upon you are that you should provide them with food and you should provide them with clothing in a fitting manner. This is the rights of the women upon their men. Then the Prophet ﷺ continued with this beautiful admonition and advice. He said, O people, surely the believers are brothers. So it is not permissible for a person to take the wealth of his brother, except if he gives it willingly. Surely the believers are brothers. So you cannot take the property or the wealth of your brother. The only way that you can take the wealth of your brother is if your brother willingly gives it to you. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, have I conveyed the message? Allahumma fashhad. Oh Allah, be my witness. Then the Prophet ﷺ continued and he told the people, he advised them, do not go back to disbelief after me. After I pass away, after I am not amongst you on this earth anymore, do not return back to kufr. Do not go back to disbelief, striking the necks of one, e of one another killing one another, spilling the blood of one another. Do not go back to this. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, Surely I have left with you two things. I am leaving with you two things. And if you hold on to those, these two things, then you will never go astray. And what are these two things? These two things are Kitab Allah wa Sunnah Nabiyyih. The book of Allah and the sunnah of his Prophet ﷺ. The Qur'an and the sunnah. These are the two things that the Prophet ﷺ left behind for this ummah. And they are still with this ummah and they will remain with this ummah. 
And if we hold on to these two things that the Prophet ﷺ left with us, then we will never get lost, we will never go astray, and we will always remain on the straight path. So this is a very important advice that the Prophet ﷺ told us. That stick with the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger ﷺ, and that will keep you safe. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to implement this. And then the Prophet ﷺ continued, and he said again, Allah hal ballagd, have I conveyed the message? And then he said, Allahumma fashhad, oh Allah, be my witness that I have conveyed the message. And remember, this is a crowd of more than a hundred thousand people who is listening to this speech of the Prophet. ﷺ. Then the Prophet ﷺ continued. He said, Ya ayyuhannas, inna rabbakum wahid. وَإِنَّ أَبَاكُمْ وَاحِدٌ كُلُّكُمْ مِنْ آدَمٍ وَآدَمٌ مِنْ تُرَابٍ إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ لَا فَضْلَ لِعَرَبِيٍّ عَلَى أَعْجَمِيٍّ إِلَّا بِالتَّقْوَى The Prophet ﷺ said to the people, O people, your Lord is one and your Father is one. All of you are from Adam and Adam is from dust. The most honorable amongst you is the one who has the most piety, the most taqwa. There is no superiority of an Arab over a non-Arab except by taqwa. Taqwa is the yardstick that measures a person's position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not your race, it is not your color, it is not your language. None of these things are what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses to measure the greatness of a person. Rather, it is taqwa. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, Inna akramakum indallahi atqakum. Surely the most honorable amongst you is the one who has the most piety, the most taqwa. So the Prophet ﷺ reiterated this to these people. And then the Prophet ﷺ again, he said, Allah hal ballagd. Allahumma fashhad. Have I conveyed the message? Allah be my witness that I have conveyed the message. And the people... They said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, yes, you have conveyed the message. You have conveyed the message. And the Prophet ﷺ said to these people, Let those who are present convey what I have said to those who are not here today. Those of you who are hearing these words today, go and convey them to those who are not here. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to make sure that this message reached all Muslims. Walhamdulillah. So this was an amazing khutbah that the Prophet ﷺ gave and it is known as the farewell khutbah or khutbatul wada'. And it was after this khutbah on the same day at Arafah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakumul islam deena On this day I have perfected your religion for you and I have completed my favor unto you and I am pleased to give you Islam as your religion. So this is the day that this religion was completed. Alhamdulillah. The day of Arafah in the 10th year of the Hijrah of the Prophet in Arafah itself where this verse was revealed. So this was the day that this religion was completed. An amazing day in the history of Islam. Years later, a Jewish man came to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. 
and he said to Umar ibn Khattab, you guys, you Muslims have a verse in your book that if it was revealed to us, if this verse was revealed to the Jews, if it was revealed to the Jews, we would have made it as a day of Eid. We would have made it as a day of celebration and festival. And Umar radiallahu an asked him, what verse are you talking about? And then the Jewish man replied, the verse, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. On this day, I have perfected your religion for you and I have completed my favor unto you and I am pleased to give you Islam as your religion. And when Umar radiallahu an heard the Jewish man say this, Umar radiallahu an, he laughed and he said, I know exactly when this verse was revealed and I know exactly where it was revealed. It was revealed in Arafah on the day of Arafah. It was revealed on the day of Arafah in the land of Arafah itself. And the day of Arafah is a holy day for us. It is a sacred day for us. So this was a great gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to this ummah, the completion of this religion. So after completing this hajj, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam returned to Al-Madinah. And then the month of Dhul-Hijjah ended and the 11th year of the Hijrah started. The 11th year of the Hijrah started. In the month of Safar, in the 11th year of the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ ordered for an army to be prepared. He ordered for an army to be prepared under the leadership of Usama ibn Zayd. Usama ibn Zayd ibn al-Haritha. And this army was to go to Al-Balqa in Palestine. And the people whom this army was to confront they were the Christians from the Ghassasina who were under the umbrella of the Roman Empire. And we spoke about the problems that the Muslims had with these Christians before. And this, this threat from the Ghassasina and the Romans, it still was alive. The threat was still there and the danger was still there. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to send an expedition to confront this issue. So he sent them and he ordered that this expedition should be led by Usama ibn Zayd. And Usama ibn Zayd's father, Zayd ibn al-Haritha radiallahu an, he was martyred at the battle of Mu'tah. And this was something that was very painful for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because Zayd ibn al-Haritha was very close to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was very beloved to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And his son Usama was also very beloved to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now the battle of Mu'tah where Zayd radiallahu anhu was martyred, that was also against the same people, the Ghassasina, the Christians of Asham. So now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was sending the son of Zayd, Usama, to go and confront those Ghassasina again. Now the Muslims had become much more powerful. They had much more strength and manpower. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam wanted to send Usama ibn Zayd to confront them. Now Usama radiallahu an at this time, he was very young, he was still very young. He was only 18 years old. He was only 18 years old and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is making him as a commander of the army. And that army consisted of some of the kibar al-sahaba, some of the major companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, including Abu Bakr and Umar and other major companions. And Usama ibn Zayd, even though he was so young, only 18 years old, the Prophet ﷺ put him 
in charge of that expedition. So it just shows the confidence and the trust that the Prophet ﷺ had in this young man, Usama ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu. All right, so while these preparations were being made, the army is still there in Medina and preparations are being made. While the preparations were being made, the Prophet ﷺ said to a servant of his, and this servant of his was named Abu Muwehiba. He said to Abu Muwehiba, Ya Aba Muwehiba, Inni qad umirtu an astaghfira li ahlil baqi'ah. ma'i. He said to Abu Muwehiba, Oh Abu Muwehiba, I have been ordered to make istighfar, to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness for the people of Al-Baqi'ah, the graveyard of Medina. Al-Baqi'ah. I have been commanded to go to Al-Baqi'ah and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness for the people of Baqi'ah. So Ya Abu Muwehiba, come with me. Ya Abu Muwehiba, come with me. So Abu Muwehiba and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they went to the graveyard of Medina, Al-Baqi'ah. So when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reached the graveyard, he made dua for the people who were buried there. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Now a lot of trials are going to come. A lot of different fitan, different trials and tribulations are going to come to this ummah, one after another. And he said, regarding the people who were buried in the graveyard, that these people have been saved from having to witness these fitan. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has actually favored them. He has given them a blessing that they are buried instead of having to witness the fitan, the trials and tribulations and the problems that are going to come. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to Abu Muwayhiba, Ya Aba Muwayhiba, Inni qad utitu mafatiha khazain dunya والخلد فيها ثم الجنة وخيرت بين ذلك وبين لقاء ربي عز وجل والجنة. So the Prophet said to Abu Muwayhiba, he said, Ya Abu Muwayhiba, I have been given the keys of the treasures of this dunya, the keys of the treasures of this dunya, and staying in this dunya, living in this dunya, not dying, and then entering Jannah. Or Meeting my Lord, meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leaving this dunya and meeting Allah and then going to Jannah. I have been given the choice. Either stay in this dunya and have the keys to all of the treasures of this dunya, live like a king and have everything at my disposal, and then go to Jannah, or to leave this dunya and meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go to Jannah. So then Abu Muwayhiba, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, what do you think he wants? He wants the Prophet ﷺ to stay with them or he wants the Prophet ﷺ to leave? Of course he wants the Prophet ﷺ to stay. So Abu Muwayhiba he says to the Prophet ﷺ, Bi abi anta wa ummi, fakhudh mafatihat dunya wal khulda fiha thumma al jannah. He said, Ya Rasulullah, may my father and my mother be sacrificed for you. Choose the keys of the treasures of this dunya and stay with us in this dunya and then you will go to Jannah anyways. But stay with us, Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet said, La wallah, ya Aba Muwayhiba, laqad ikhtartu liqa'a Rabbi Azza wa Jal wal Jannah. 
No, Ya Abu Muayhiba. Wallahi, I have already chosen. I have chosen to meet my Lord Azza wa Jal. I have chosen to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go to Jannah. I have chosen to leave this dunya. So of course, this is something that made Abu Muayhiba sad. That the Prophet ﷺ was not going to stay in this dunya. Rather, he was ready to leave this dunya to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was ready to leave this dunya. He had completed his mission, alhamdulillah. The deen was complete. He had conveyed the message. He has done his job. So the Prophet ﷺ was ready to leave now. So shortly after he made this choice, he was given this choice by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he made his choice. Shortly after he made this choice, he developed a severe headache. He developed a very severe headache. And he returned back from Baqiyah. And the following morning, he was ill. And this illness was the illness that would lead eventually to his passing away some days later. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So next week, inshallah. We will speak about the final illness of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we will speak, inshallah, about the saddest day in the history of mankind, and that is the day that the Messenger of Allah, bi abihu wa ummi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the day that he passed away, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So we'll discuss that next week, bi idnillah. Wallahu alam. Wa sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.